With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, i got a few things to talk to you about. First being Thrive Fantasy. Great way to play daily fantasy sports. You don't have to worry about picking you know, a team, uh, drafting in between other players, so on and so forth. No prices to worry about. It is a prop bet format. So you pick... Pick 10 of 20 prop bets for that night, for that slate, whatever you want to do it as, plus two ice picks just in case one of your previous guys gets scratched and you're good to go. Simple as that. Thrive Fantasy. It's in your app store. You pick 10 of the 20 props and rock and roll. And if you're new to Thrive, make your first deposit using promo code SPORTSDEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, and get a free $10 to use at Thrive Fantasy. So make any size deposit. For your first deposit, use promo code SPORTSDEGENS, get a free $10. Talking about free money, go to mybookie.ag. Great way to play, play, place to place your sports bets, your political bets, your entertainment bets, you name it. They've got it. March Madness is up and kicking next week. Conference title games are going on right now. Then it's bracket time. You got uh, overall winners, prop bets, spreads, the works. Go to mybookie.ag and use promo code BENCHED when you make your first deposit, and you'll get up to a 50% first time deposit bonus. Up to a thousand dollars. Deposit a hundred bucks, free fifty bucks. Five hundred, free two fifty. As simple as that. Myboogie.ag promo code benched. Also, if you like playing daily fantasy sports and thrive's not your thing, go to Draft. Draft.com. Draft in your app store. It is a blast. I've been working with Draft for over a year now. A lot of my listeners love it. If you are new to Draft, use promo code benched and you'll get a free entry into a three dollar tournament of your choice. It's as simple as that. It is an absolute blast to play over at Draft. Snake-style drafts just the way you like it, so you're the only one that owns them. There's no salary. Simple as that. they got baseball, football, hockey, not hockey yet, basketball, golf, the works. So much more coming up over at Draft. But the big thing is they got best balls going on right now. You can already do football ones, but they got baseball ones. And it is an absolute blast over there at Draft. So use promo code BENCH for a free $3 entry into a tournament of your choice. Last but not least, sorry for pedaling so much, but i got to do it. got to pay the bills. Last but not least... If you give me a rating and review over on iTunes, I'd much, much appreciate it. I love Bench with Bubba. It is my passion project, and it would mean a lot to me if you guys could spend a couple minutes just to fill that out and really, really help me out a ton. With all that being said, an absolute awesome episode. Bench with Bubba, episode 153 with James Anderson of Rotowire talking about a bunch of fantasy-relevant prospects for the 2019 baseball season.
And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 153. Going to talk some fantasy baseball impact prospects for you to draft. You know, there's the flashy ones and then some kind of ones you might not know about. You might want to stash away for later on in order to do so. Special guest, you can find his work over at Rotowire. He's on Twitter at RealJRAnderson, James Anderson. Thanks for having me, Bubba. Uh, I've been loving the pod so far, especially, uh, you know, as draft season's heating up. It's one of my favorite ones to check out. So uh, happy to be on, happy to be joining you. I appreciate it, man. That means a lot to hear. I, I had a great time talking with you, um, you know, earlier last year, like around draft, baseball draft time, not fantasy, real baseball draft time. And uh, it's always fun to listen to your guys' work. And uh, you and Clay have a great little podcast going there, talking prospects, and obviously your work on fantasy radio and all the other stuff. Um, why don't you let everybody know what you got going on over there at Roto-Wire, so they can come check it out. Yeah, uh, I mean, my my bread and butter is the top 400 prospect rankings. I keep those updated year-round. Uh, I've been updating them uh, all spring, uh, particularly over the last week or so. Uh, finished a big series where I wrote about every single noteworthy prospect in every organization. Uh, so once I put that to bed, I was able to kind of make some more updates on the top 400. I've uh, been doing the podcast with Clay, like you said, and then just have uh, you know a bunch of articles up on the site that are that are available for people. Yeah, I highly recommend it to everybody. I, I've talked about RotoWire's product many times on my podcast, and I don't I don't subscribe to everybody just because I don't need everybody's stuff. But there's a lot of great work out there. I wasn't downplaying them, but I've been a RotoWire person since I was in college, and that's. 12, 13 years ago. So they're one of the first ones I went to. And it's just consistent stuff like that. You don't find the top 400 prospect list that's updated as often. There's just good content there. So how do you go uh, record there? Uh, Let's get into some recent news, and then we'll dig into your bread and butter, the prospects. Uh, Andrew Heaney, yet again, an Angels reliever, goes down with an arm injury. Um, He's going to be shut down for a little while. Lots of questions on where this is leading. Uh, When it comes to the rotation, it's not pretty. When you have Matt Harvey and Trevor Cahill leading the way, Uh, are you even – looking to possibly draft Heaney now, or what are you doing with that whole situation? Uh, you know, I think there's a round where I would definitely take him. Um, he he had a similar thing last spring and still had a really productive season uh, when it was all said and done. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm less concerned, I think, with him than I am with, like, Carlos Martinez or, you know, from a workload standpoint, I'm probably even more concerned about Luis Severino at this point than I am Andrew Heaney, but obviously you're not getting that that caliber production when he's out there. So I, I don't think he's like do not draft territory. Uh, but if I can help it, I'm not drafting pitchers who are already hurt. So uh, definitely a guy that I'm going to let slide a little bit after this news. Yeah, I'm with you there. That's one of my, my mantras I've been preaching all draft season with these injured guys. It's like there's enough pitchers that are going to get hurt in the draft, like during the season, I don't need right. a draft one that's already banged up. Like, it's just like, yeah. let's just avoid like, that line. We already now. know this guy's hurt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's just avoid this problem. You mentioned Carlos Martinez, you know, the latest report, at least the Cardinals are giving us a little information. Um, he's coming back sometime in May, into May maybe, and likely going to the bullpen. Um, I, I'm with you on the idea of not drafting him, but every pitcher does have a, a value. And even if you aren't drafting him, what do you think his impact is in the bullpen? Do you think he gets safe chances or what do you think Carlos's deal is with St. Louis? Oh man. I, I just, I don't want anything to do with it really. Uh, He's, you know, I think Jordan Hicks is going to have a a real breakout season as their closer. So I, you know, as long as he's pitching well, I don't think that like Carlos Martinez gets healthy and all of a sudden he takes that job from Hicks unless Hicks is struggling. Um, You know, I think that, 
it sort of sounds to me like a situation where the Cardinals would prefer him to be in relief and he would prefer to be a starter and they've kind of got to find a way to, to make it all work uh, where everyone's on the same page. So, um, you know, I think maybe there's a transition where we see in season where Alex Reyes starts in the bullpen. And then when Carlos Martinez is ready, uh, Carlos Martinez kind of takes over Reyes's role and they send Reyes to triple A to get stretched out as a starter. That's, that's one way I could see it playing out, but I mean, you know, I, I just don't really see uh, a path to Martinez returning fantasy value, especially in the next, like, two to three months. Completely with you there. Uh, one more injury to talk about. Pedro Strope was supposed to be the Cardinals' closer. He, ha- he got a little banged up. He's saying he will be available to start the season, but how available, we're not quite sure because he's missing so much time. Um, you know, you got uh, Brandon Morrow's going to be out for a little while still with his elbow so- surgery. Um, Carl Edwards, these Sishik are options. It's a messy situation, but saves is a messy situation. If you're in a deep league, like you and I drafting a lot, or if say you're in a, a 50 team draft and hold type deal on NFBC, are you taking gambles on anybody else in this Cubs bullpen? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely, you know, when you get past like the first 35 rounds or so, I don't really think there's such a thing as a bad pick. Um, so, I mean, if you, feel strongly about C-Shack or Edwards, I think that's fine. I still think Strope's the guy to own in that bullpen. I think that there's a chance he's ready for opening day. And, I mean, I, just, I don't trust Brandon Morrow at all. I mean, I'd take the under, like, put over under at, like, 20 innings for him this year, I'd probably take the under. So um, I still think Strope gets the most saves in that bullpen. Uh, maybe we see C-Shack get a couple in, in April. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's that's not really an area where I see a ton of value beyond Strope. Yeah, that's a good call. Strope's always had really, really good stuff with Baltimore and then come over to Chicago. And I always laughed when, when Morrow first signed with uh, with the Cubs. I was like, what are they giving him all this cash for? Like, we finally saw one season out of, what, like nine that he threw all year. Made no sense to me whatsoever. Um, let's get into these prospects. A lot of really, really good prospects. You know, each year it seems like they have more and more of an impact. Last year we got the Cunhas. We got Juan Soto out of nowhere. Um, you know, not out of nowhere that we didn't know about him. A single aid of the pros is a big jump. Um, let's start with the, the big names. We'll work our way down. We'll start with hitters first. You have Vlad Guerrero Jr. We know who he is. If you don't know who he is, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast by now. But he's hurt. Oblique injuries are scary, especially for a guy that physique, as I can uh, relate. Um, what are you doing with Vlad? What's your expectations when he's coming up? Uh, are we worried at all? Uh, so what I did is I, I knocked about three weeks worth of at bats off of my original projection for him. And he's still a worth a top 50 pick, even with knocking those off. And, uh, I don't necessarily know that this industry changes when we see him up, but I think it, it certainly could. And, you know, they gave the three week timetable. Uh, it could easily end up being four weeks. It could end up being, uh, four weeks and change, maybe even five weeks. So that's part of why I took three weeks off. And then, you know, it's it's something where he could aggravate it in season. Um, so I think it's just you have to you have to react some way in terms of taking a little bit off of his season long projection. But I still think he's up in April. I, I don't think he's up. You know, April twelfth is the first day that they can start calling guys up and, and get that seventh year of control. Uh, I don't think he's up on April twelfth anymore. Uh, but I still think he's up, um, you know, like third third week of, of April is kind of when, when I expect him to be up. They have a home series 
Um, let's see. They have a home series on April 23rd against the Giants. I think that that's when you see them because they're obviously going to want to get uh, that revenue. And it's on a Tuesday. So, I mean, the difference between the people in attendance for that Tuesday game against the Giants, if Vlad's up versus if he's not up, I mean, it could be 50,000, 20,000, you know. So I, I think we see him in April still. I still think he's – a guy that if he's slipping too far because of this oblique thing, I think that that's a, a buying opportunity. I know some people just were never in to begin with, and this is even more reason to be out on him. But uh, I, I think he's a guy that's going to compete for the batting title this year. Uh, I don't think he hits 30 home runs, but if he hits 315 and is hitting third or fourth for them all season, I think that he's going to return value where he's going in drafts right now. I love it. Yeah, because where you're, where you're projecting him to kind of show up and make his debut is only – 10 to 14 days afterwards. So in the grand scheme of things with the soft schedule we have this year, it's only probably seven games, maybe 10 games at the most compared to what other, you know, at the earliest. And most projection sites only have them playing like 125, 130 games anyways. They've kind of built in a buffer zone there. And I'm, by, by your your talk on him, it's you're pretty much agreeing to, or if not even escalating them past most projection sites, it's already have them pretty high. So I like that because I did take a gamble on him in a 14-teamer back in February in OBP League, and uh, that makes me feel a lot better about that. Let's talk Eloy Jimenez. This guy is a monster. Just like Vlad, has nothing more to prove. He's already been optioned down to the AAA, which sadly we came to expect. Um, He's kind of going where Vlad Jr. – or not Vlad, Ronald Acuna went last year. So to me, he's kind of taking over that role. Do we have that same Acuna-like impact with Eloy, or are we kind of overestimating things there? Uh, you know, just different players. Um, I think to me, like when you're thinking about Ila Jimenez, I'm thinking of kind of like prime Nelson Cruz as the type of player that you're getting where he's hitting like around 290, uh, 40 home runs, that type of thing. Like that's, that's kind of what I see from him in his peak years. Uh, as a rookie, I think he could hit for a, you know, decent average. I think he's going to hit above 270. Um, maybe he gets to 30 homers, but you know, my projection for him is pretty similar to my projection for like David Peralta. So uh, that's just, it's a good player. It's a player that's going to help you in your league for sure. I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to swing many leagues. He has been falling though, I think a little further than he should. Uh, I was able to get him in a Rotowire online championship NFBC league, uh, like in the 11th round or something uh, last a couple nights ago. So uh, it's not like you have to really reach for him at all. You can kind of just let him fall to you in, in some leagues. Uh, the guy that I think is is going to get that sort of late March helium with his ADP that we saw from Acuna last year is Victor Robles, just because the speed that Robles provides, is it's, it's a more unique skill set than rookie Eloy Jimenez is probably going to provide. I think, I think prime Eloy is going to be a more valuable player than prime Victor Robles, but – just this year, I think Robles could get you 30-plus steals, and that's a, a scarcer commodity than what you're going to get from Jimenez. I love that because, yeah, when you look at the Eloy, you're looking for the power. It's still a decent average. He's not going to be like one of those power guys that drains you, but Victor Robles is a guy I am totally all in on. I got him in TGFBI. I've been preaching to whoever will listen to me that I, – I, I, I've tweeted it out many times, and people get annoyed with me about it like in an angry way. Is I, I always say that people – don't realize we never would have saw Juan Soto the way we saw him if Victor Robles wasn't hurt last year. Um, and, and it's a good thing. So we got to see Juan Soto. Now we get Victor Robles, but Victor Robles was the guy in their system. He was that next big thing and he was hurt and got, got skipped over there. Like you said, his, his helium is coming. 
I got him much later than he's going now, but just in the month of March and in FBC online, he's going about pick 90. The, the steals is what I like. You mentioned the 30 stolen bases. What can we expect maybe um, when it comes to average and, and a little bit of power as well? Uh, you know, I think he's going to be fine in, in both those categories. Uh, I think he's going to hit, you know, around like 275, something like that with 15 home runs maybe. I mean, he had a bomb today. Like he had one uh, – past like a catwalk and it was probably around like 450 feet. So it's not like he has, he's, he's not just this no power, all speed guy. Um, but where I think you, he maybe hurts you a tiny bit is just in the runs and the RBI, just because I think he hits pretty low in that lineup and it's tough to really see him. Well, you know, maybe he could get up there. I mean, the, the news that's been trickling out of Nationals camp the past couple of days uh, kind of gets impacted by the fact that Michael Taylor might have, might have hurt his knee today. But uh, Adam Eaton might only play against righties when they're at full strength. And Victor Robles might be better than Adam Eaton as a potential leadoff or number two hitter by, like, June or July. So I, I don't want to say that he's going to be at the bottom of the order all year, but he's definitely going to start the year at the bottom of the order. And that's where I think you're going to get the kind of negative uh, production relative to the draft value. Most guys you're going to draft where you draft Robles are going to help you more in runs and RBI than he is. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I was, I've been so hoping that, you know, they get smart and say, okay, Adam Eaton, you're still very good, but Victor leading off is going to be so much more valuable to us. Maybe that's just my bias to the situation, but uh, hopefully that'll change as the season goes on. It would be so fun to have a Robles, Trey Turner, top two of a lineup. I mean, that, well, yeah, that Robles, amount of, yeah, Rob, yeah. Robles, I mean, Trey Turner, Soto, like, come on. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that's, that's clearly the way it's trending in a long-term sense, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, Adam Eaton, like the only thing he does well is, is get on base. So um, they might just take advantage of that, especially against righties. Yeah, I could see what happens is, you know, versus lefties, you know, Victor can lead off versus righties. Victor bats ninth and they put the pitcher eight to so get the, the double leadoff mm-hmm. guy in theory. I could see something along those lines. And if that's the case, it's still not ideal, but much better than it could be. All right, let's talk Nick Sinzel. Um, You know, out of camp, he looks like he could be the starting center fielder, but you may have insight on they might not have him start the season due to, you know, wanting that extra year of control. But, you know, ADP-wise, he's moved up to pick 188. If we did this podcast back in January or February, he was going much, much later. So what's your thoughts on Nixon Zell? Because he's wooing everybody this spring. Yeah, he's my fourth favorite hitter among the the rookies. Um, I actually had a reader point out that I was wrong in, a, in an article I wrote this week. I, pre- I predicted that he was going to be up, uh, I think, April 13th. Uh, which was a Saturday game against the Cardinals. And I was looking at ESPN's uh, red schedule, and it didn't say anything to this effect, but that's actually a series that's in Mexico, in Monterey. Uh, and that kind of complicates things. So they have that that Mexico two-game series against the Cardinals, and they have a, like, 10-game road trip. Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to say exactly when he's going to be up because I think they'd really like him to debut at home, but – uh, this is a team that obviously is kind of trying to move up their competitive window. So, you know, going an extra 10, 12 days without Senzel, maybe that's maybe that costs him a win when it's all said and done. Uh, so I think he's going to be up sometime in April. Uh, I think he's looked good enough in center field uh, relative to their other options, which isn't saying a ton, but uh, I think he belongs as their everyday center fielder this year. So I think we see him sometime in April. He's going to help you across the board I think he's a he's another guy that fits pretty nicely uh hitting either like leadoff or hitting second uh for that team and 
Uh, he's going to chip in some steals. I mean, he's he came up as a third baseman, moved to second base, then left field, now center field. Like, uh, he has the speed for center field. That's why he's there. I mean, it, this isn't a guy that's a, a traditional third baseman. I think it was kind of cooler when he was this third baseman that might be able to go 20-20. Now mm-hmm. he's just a center fielder that might be able to go 20-20. But, um, you know, I, I like Senzel a lot. Really interested to see where the ADP sort of settles when – we get to these drafts in late March. Uh, I think that kind of 150 to 170 range is a pretty fair range for him right now. Uh, but I could see him get, getting pushed up even higher than that. Yeah, he's been moving quite a bit. Like, I, I actually want to go out to the podcast and break down month by month because he's claiming a lot, or I could probably just check out Matt Modica's Twitter and he's probably got it figured <laughs> out for me. But um, it, it is interesting with Senzel, but the way you're talking about him makes a ton of sense. And I, I agree with everything you're saying. The fact that he can help out in like the steel, like a 2020 upside. Would you rather have a Sinzel or an Eloy Jimenez? Uh, Eloy, because I think that the, the upside um, in terms of just power and like ungodly RBI and run totals, um, especially. uh, Yeah. I I mean, I think he could grow into just really special power and have the batting average to go with it. Uh, And, Senzel is, you know, he's like two years older than Jimenez. He's got these vertigo issues that, True. I mean, he, the next year that he goes through a full season without having a vertigo, DL stint will be the first in three years. So, um, you know, that's something that's in the back of your head. Uh, I mean, it, it's no slight on, on Senzel. I mean, he's a really, really awesome top 10 prospect. I mean, he, he's just really, really good. Uh, but I think Eloy just has that that really really high uh, first round ceiling. That I, I mean, Senzel maybe could get there, but I think a Senzel is kind of more of a like Andrew Benintendi type of ceiling where it's just really good stuff all across the board. Uh, Jimenez though could be elite in a couple categories. Okay, I like that a lot. Let's talk about the two Rockies: uh, Garrett Hampson, Ryan McMahon. Hampson's going about pick one sixty five. McMahon's going 344, both on the move. McMahon moving quite a bit, um, both having great springs. Obviously, they have to find spots for both of them, and the Rockies love to hold their prospects back. That's like a pastime like no other. But what what's your view when you're going into draft season on, on Hampton and McMahon, and what can you expect from them this season if they get their playing time? Um, <clears throat> I mean, that's a big if, right? With, with it's Hampton, a huge if. <laughs> especially, like, I mean, when they signed Daniel Murphy, I – you know, I, I thought a lot of people thought it was just going to be Hampson at second base. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Joe Sheehan, who who wrote an article for our magazine, and and one of his picks was Ryan McMahon being the Rockies' second baseman. Uh, I didn't really see that at the time, but that's kind of the way things are sort of trending right now in spring. It, it sort of seems like sends or uh, McMahon at least is going to get starts against righties to start the season. So. Uh, you know, over a full season, I think both these guys have a ton of fantasy upside if they're playing every day. Uh, but if you're only getting McMahon against righties and you're only getting Hampson against lefties, then I mean, are either of them really all that useful in in shallower leagues? I mean, it, it's it's a tough call. It would be nice if they had never given Ian Desmond that contract and they could move Garrett Hampson to center field and have Ryan McMahon play second. Uh, but they've just got that dead money there. So, um, you know, Hampson had 300 average 30 steal upside this year, especially playing in Coors. McMahon's got, you know, 
270 average with 30 homer upside over a full season. I mean, they both are, are really talented guys, but if, if they end up getting platooned, uh, it's, it's really going to be tough to uh, do much with any of them. Uh, or Hampson at his price, I mean, if, if they get platooned, then that's just a huge loss. Uh, McMahon, where he's going, I think is fine. I think he's going to keep creeping up boards. Uh, but I just – it's it's a tough situation, man. I, I kind of don't really want much to do with it. Yeah, it's really tricky. And just a quick one here because we were talking about Rockies prospects getting held back. Ryan El Tapia, do we – do you just think we even see this man? Because we finally are getting David Dahl after all of this, but Tapia is still getting blocked. And you just mentioned Hampson possibly playing center field. So if that happens, again, no Tapia. Like I'm guessing they just trade him or let him go in the Rule 5 draft someday. You know, it'd be great if uh, Jerry DePoto was the GM of the Rockies <laughs> because then, like, all these guys would be off somewhere else uh, in everyday roles. Uh, mm-hmm. But the Rockies just – they don't play their prospects and they don't trade their prospects. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of a, a lose-lose. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, let's talk about one, and I mentioned before the podcast, there's an interesting caveat with Kyle Tucker. Everybody loves the guy. I was yelling when, you know, two seasons ago – when there was rumors about trading their top prospects, I said, trade any of them, just don't trade Kyle Tucker. The kid's super talented. But there's not a lot of space for him in Houston at the moment. What's your outlook on Tucker this year, and what's the interesting news? Because we mentioned all these other guys could come up in April. Right, so Tucker spent 52 days on the big league roster last year. Uh, Didn't play a ton, so he still got his prospect status. But what that means is they can't, do the normal crappy thing of holding a guy down a couple weeks. They'd have to do a super crappy thing and hold him down uh, over two months till June 3rd to get that seventh year control. And like, obviously from a talent standpoint, he should not be a triple a period. Like that's just uh, what he did there uh, towards the end of last year was just insane. But when you look at their depth chart, uh, you could totally see a scenario where they send him to triple a to start the year. And, um, you know, he could, I, I don't think they're just going to send him there and say, all right, no matter what you're down until June 3rd, I do think they will keep him down that long if there isn't an opening for him. And, you know, chances are there's probably an opening for him before that, but then say it's like Michael Brantley lands on the DL and misses two weeks. Well, then when Brantley gets healthy, does that mean Tucker gets to stay up? I mean, do they send him back down? There's just... There's a lot of uncertainty with the amount of playing time you're going to get from Kyle Tucker over the first couple months of the season. I think he's going to be really, really good when he plays. Uh, it's it's just kind of a shame that he's in this situation, and it, it makes it a really tough call for people in drafts because if you take him, you have to be willing to kind of stash him for, for a couple months. Uh, I mean, that's probably worst-case scenario, but you could also get you know almost a full season out of him, and he could swing a league, so – a uh, really tough player to evaluate in drafts this year. Uh, I like him a lot. I think if he's if people are looking at what he did in the big leagues last year and evaluating him based on that, I think that's really stupid. I think he's just a much better player than that. Um, but we just don't really know when he's going to be up and playing every day. Yeah, it's it's a shame, but it's what they do, and it makes sense if that's what they need to do. So, yeah, let's talk about uh, Pete Alonzo, not Peter. Pete Alonzo uh, going about pick two thirty five, two thirty six right now. He's making it very tough on the Mets not to let this kid play. And, and Brody Van Wagenen already said, you know, we're going to come with our best guy. But you've heard that how many times before. Um, so there's a good chance he goes back to AAA for a bit. But what are we really believing that this guy is the next coming of like a right-handed Jim Tomey? 
Um, I actually, yeah, I don't, I don't hate that comp to be honest. Uh, they, they sort of have similar swings and uh, they're similar characters. I think, I mean, Alonzo gets just rave reviews for his uh, intangibles, work ethic, all that stuff. Um, and he's he. I, I was dead wrong about him uh, this time last year. I, I didn't think he was going to do enough damage against right-handed pitching. Uh, he just put the work in, and he, he made me look stupid on that one. Uh, I, I think he's going to be valuable in pretty much all formats once he's up because I think he's going to hit 30-plus homers. Uh, it's just a matter of what's the batting average drain. Is he going to hit 250? Because then it's like maybe he's a top 10 fantasy first baseman. Uh, if he only hits like 230, I still think he's valuable. But then it just, you know, then it's, you know, kind of a corner in corner infield type of situation. So uh, the power is absolutely legit. I think he goes through some growing pains against big league pitching. Eventually, I think, you know, two, three years down the road, we're talking about a guy that might be able to hit 250, 260. Uh, but this year, the the batting average floor is is pretty low. Okay, so you got to have a comfortable batting average if you're going to take the gamble on him. Um, you know, he's still at, at a first base position where it's it not as deep as it once was. We're seeing his name mentioned a ton, so I'm curious to see how that overall production and pans out. I think it's important just league context too, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're in a ten or a twelve team league. I'm much more willing to take a flyer on Alonzo and just sort of see what happens uh, because I can cut bait. Like if he's, if he's only hitting, you know, 200, 220, something like that in mid May, uh, there's somebody else out there that I'm going to be able to pick up and, and sub in. If you're in a deeper league though, and, and he ends up being like a 225, 230 hitter this year and you took him where he's going in drafts right now, then that's, that's more of a problem. Okay, gotcha. Now let's talk some San Diego Padres. First, we'll start out with Luis Urias. Uh, came up a little bit last year. Super talented, second baseman, can't play shortstop. They got Manny Machado in town. We'll talk about his his future shortstop counterpart in a minute. But when it comes to Luis Urias, um, I, I've heard a lot of mixed reviews on him, actually, when it comes to fantasy. What's your take on him? Like, what's his impact this season? I think he's a solid middle infielder in 15-team leagues. I think he's going to hit around, like, 275. I think he's going to eventually play his way into either the leadoff spot or the number two spot in that lineup. Uh, you know, 15 home runs, seven steals. The big selling point for me with him long-term is that I think he could finish top 10 in the league in batting average and runs in the same year. Uh, and those are probably the two most underrated of the five standard hitting roto categories. Like people never really factor in runs. Uh, but I mean, he's, he's going to be an on-base machine. He's going to hit for a really high average. He's got just a, a crazy control of the strike zone and bat to ball ability. And I think people that don't think he's ever going to hit for power are missing the boat a little bit. I think he's eventually going to be a 20 homer guy. Uh, he's not going to be a 30 homer guy. I don't think, but you know, he, he'll, he'll get you to 20 at, at some point. And uh, just based on how much he's on base and his instincts, I think he'll be like a 10 steal guy. So I think he gets slept on a little bit uh, for just this year. He's a guy that I'm happy to have as my middle infielder, but he's not a guy that I've been like going out of my way to get. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of the mixed reviews I've been hearing. It's like the talent's there, but he's not a flashy talent, but he helps you here. And, it's hard to find, but if you know if he's leading off and you're hitting in front of Machado and company, right. the runs part's a very good good point you make there because it's hard to find those guys that can get you, you know, potentially eighty plus runs scored or something. He's playing a full season up there, so it's interesting. Let's talk about his counterpart 
Fernando Tatis Jr., who's all the way up to 267 in an FBC draft right now. Uh, a month ago, he wasn't even sniffing this area, I don't believe. But the, the name is mentioned everywhere. I haven't been able to try to even think about grabbing him because I don't know when he's going to be up. But what are we looking at with Fernando Tatis Jr.? I don't know when he's going to be up either, but I just have zero interest in him at that cost. Uh, I, I, To me, it's not necessarily about when he's going to be up. It's just what I think the production is going to be like this year, and I just don't think it's going to be all that useful. Like, I, I could see him hitting, like, 230 against big league pitching this year. I just – I don't think – like, A.J. Preller is aggressive enough to have him play in the big leagues for most of the year. But that doesn't mean he's ready for the big leagues. That just means that they want to give him a challenge that he might not be getting at AAA. And I know that he's he's done some cool stuff this spring. I mean, that's that's awesome. There's there's lots of guys that have done cool stuff this spring that aren't going to do cool stuff during the regular season. Uh, I think it's it's more of an issue of people just grab whatever top prospect list they like the most, and they see that he's either one or two on that list, and they're like, oh well. I can't get Vlad, but I can get the next best guy like 200 picks later. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, long-term, he's an awesome prospect. Like, I think he's going to be really, really good for a long time. But this is not his coming out party year. Like, this is just going to be kind of his going go, go through some growing pains against big league pitching year if he's even up for most of the year. Like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he struck out at like a 30% clip against AAA pitching over the first couple months. And then at that point, it's like, well – yeah, he gets better. He makes adjustments. He he starts hitting AAA pitching, and then you're to like late July, and it's like, well, why even start the clock at this point? So, uh, I just I, I don't see the realistic upside to make that type of floor tolerable inside the top 300. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's what I've been thinking too. It's there's really no set table for him, and I'm just curious. The the, the helium has gone crazy. Um, one more Padre to talk about, Francisco Mejia. Uh, former catching prospect from the Indians. They tried to play him at third. That didn't work out so well. Another guy that yeah, we know he can hit pretty well, but he's going to pick 251, doesn't really have a full-time job yet. What's your thoughts on Francisco Mejia? I think he's just another guy that's just getting way overdrafted. Uh, to me, it's a, an issue of how much is he going to play. And this is something I've been saying for like almost two years now on him. It's just catcher defense is just too bad. And, uh, you know, teams like the Indians don't trade him away if they think he can even be like an average defensive catcher. And the Padres, like a rebuilding team, maybe puts up with that bad uh, pitch framing and, and blocking and all that stuff. Uh, but the Padres, I mean, that they've got all these stud arms on the way. They just signed Manny Machado. Austin Hedges is one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. Uh, I just I don't see Mejia getting the plate appearances he needs to pay off that ADP, and yeah, I mean I, I think he's a good hitter for the position. Like if if we knew he was going to play as much this year as we think like Danny Jansen's going to play in Toronto, then I'd be all about him being like a borderline top seven or eight fantasy catcher. I just think there's a chance he doesn't get to 300 plate appearances, and that would be a massive bummer, especially where he's going. Like. I'm looking at these some of these names at the, their ADPs, and I'm like, what is going on with people? The hype train is real for these prospects. People is like drool for these guys. It's, it's pretty crazy. Um, Usniel Diaz was the big piece the Orioles got back from the Dodgers in the Manny Machado deal. The dude's got some power. Um, do we get to see him at all this year? And if he does come up, is he worth uh, grabbing at some point in time? Yeah, I think this is going to be a fab guy. Uh, 
I think he's going to be up in early June. I think that that just kind of lines up with, you know, by at that point, I think he'll be looking really good against AAA pitching. Uh, the Orioles, you know, they're it's it's such a joke what they're going to be running out there on opening day. I think they're going to be, you know, they're not going to be very hesitant to bring up UCL Diaz and Austin Hayes when those guys are ready so they can actually field a, a competent big league lineup. And so, yeah, I, I think Diaz isn't, you know, he's he's kind of a – you'd rather have him over a full season because what he does is he's going to hit for a high average. He's going to score a lot of runs. Uh, in a short, like, three- or four-month stretch, the counting stats aren't going to be that great, and there's always the chance that he, that he struggles against big league pitching the first time. So not the type of guy that I'm stashing in, like, a 15-teamer, hoping that he, he swings something for me. But when he does get the call, he's the type of guy that I'm probably going to throw a, a fat bid on in most leagues. I like it. Uh, one last bat I want to ask you about here. It seems like the last couple of uh, spring trainings, Dan Vogelbach's name has been all over everyone's tongue, and then it just doesn't happen. He goes back to AAA. He hits again. Um, you know, defense is suspect. He's, he's pretty much built to play slow-pitch softball or DH. That's pretty much what Dan Vogelbach's meant to do. And right now he's doing it in spring again, and there's an opening for him at least to start the year. He's going about pick 360. Are we buying in on Vogelbach this time around? Um. <laughs> not, not really, not really. I mean, so here's what he can do. He can rake against righties, and that's that's awesome. That's cool. Um, but does he fit into Seattle's long-term plan? Because, you know, he's just not a first baseman at all. Like, he, he's DH only. And they have another guy who's probably DH only in Domingo Santana, who I think probably fits their plans long-term a little bit better there where he can at least masquerade in an outfield corner. If you need him to Vogelbach is terrible everywhere in the field other than DH. So um, I think that he would have, I think he's going to get a shot. Like you said, like he's out of options. Uh, They're rebuilding. Like what do they have to lose by giving him like a couple months, you know, but uh, if he struggles again, I just don't think he's going to have like a season long leash. Uh, I think maybe he gets going and he really just rakes against righties and they, they can't take him out of the lineup. Uh, when right-handers are on the mound, but you know, I I don't know. That's if you're in a deep enough league, I think there's there's a place for him. But he's just not a guy that I'm targeting because I don't know why Seattle would care that much about turning him into something for them long term. Like he just doesn't have a ton of real life value, so I, I don't think he gets a very long leash. Yeah, that's a shame because his name is everywhere on Twitter right now. Everyone's <laughs> hyped up for some Vogelbach, and it's just like, yeah. Uh, let's talk about some pitchers here. And it's always interesting when you talk about pitching prospects, especially when it comes to fantasy, because you have to always put in the back of your mind, there's probably an innings limit, um, this, that, and the other. There's a lot of ways they can work it, you know, skip a few stars. How's it going to affect your team? But some of these names are really, really talented. It's almost too hard to pass up. First being Jesus Lazardo. Uh, first season back last year after Tommy John surgery. Started out in Stockton. Got all the way through the minors pretty much. And he's ready to start with the big club this year. Go to my pick 189 overall. Still a chance to make the rotation out the gate. Probably not, but we'll see. What's your outlook on Lazardo this year? Yeah, I actually, you know, maybe I'm just a huge sucker, but I actually think he makes the rotation out, out of camp. Um, that would be outstanding. I think he pitches on March 30th at home against the Angels. I think you get, um, you know, close to a full season out of him. They're going to have to manage his innings a little bit. I mean, he's not going to get to like 190 or probably even 180 even when factoring in the postseason, so they, they might have to skip a start here or there. Um, 
but I, I just look at this A's team and, and the way that front office has done business over the years, they're, they're hamstringed in, in terms of the amount of money they can commit to guys, but they're not afraid of making uh, win now moves. And they have this young offensive core that just really kind of clicked a lot quicker than everyone else thought it would. Um, they need every start from Jesus Lazardo they can get this year to get back to the postseason. He's their best pitcher by far, at least until AJ Puck gets healthy. And I, I think that they bite the bullet and, and roll with them from the start of the season on and just try to get back to the postseason. Um, so I, I'm fine with where he's going in drafts. He's the my number two pitching prospect pretty clearly. I think there's a big gap between him and Forrest Whitley. I think there's a big gap between him and the next guy. So, I mean, you're getting an absolute stud who might spend the whole year in the rotation. Uh, lefty throws mid-90s, uh, plus breaking ball, plus changeup, plus command. I mean, he's, he's kind of the whole package. So I, I'm fine with where he's going. I'm, I'm kind of bummed that I don't have any shares. I, I chose Nick Senzel over him in, in uh, I think it was the Tout Wars slow draft that I was in. And, and that one really hurt. Like passing on Lazardo just really hurt. It just kind of was what my team needed at that point. But uh, I, would, I wouldn't mind if people pushed him up even further than that. I think he could really uh, be a big time uh, bargain at that, at that point. I mean, he, he could finish top 20 in terms of all starting pitchers. Like that's the type of outside we're talking about. And that was going to be my next question. Would you take him over Senzel? Because I figured him and us and Vlad kind of and Victor kind of had their own little realm, and then that'd be the next kind of grouping of prospects there. So you answered that it, one. I, yeah, it's roster dependent, though. To like, True. If you need a pitcher, like I, I, I think it's kind of a tie. I think you look at those two when you're on the clock, and it's like, well, what do I need more? And then you, you take that guy. I like it because I'm, I'm with you. I, I was fortunate enough to see one of Lizardo's early stocking starts when he was in San Jose. The kid's a freak. Like he's really, really good. Um, so there's a lot to like there, and I think I'm with you. I think they'll they'll still give him his innings because people are worried about that. But it was his first year off Tommy John, and I, I think he'll be fine because the A's do like to kind of get what they need to get to compete because they are really close with that that core. So I like that a lot. I'll have to go uh, check that out. Um, you mentioned AJ Puck real quick. Do you think we see him at all? I'm thinking maybe as a reliever late in the year if they're in contention. But do we see him at all? Uh, I think we might. It, I think it's too early in his recovery to say anything with confidence about that. But look, if they're making a push and he's healthy, I mean, he'll he'll go to AAA first, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, if he if he's just looking like a stud at AAA and they're making a push and they need every every last you know bit of help they can get, I think we could see him for sure. Um, you mentioned the pitching prospect you had above Jesus Lazardo. He's uh, recovering from an arm injury as well, and he's supposed to be coming back a little later this season when he'll be ready to rock and roll. Actually, he's, he's pitched great in the fall league. He's pitched a great spring. Forrest Whitley going about pick 238, so give or take 50, 60 picks after Lazardo. Um, what's your outlook on Whitley this year? Because you said Lazardo's probably there all year. Whitley in a shorter time period, is he worth the pick? He's – you know, he's kind of the pitching equivalent of his teammate, Kyle Tucker, where just such a wild card, so talented. We just have no clue when we're going to see him, how long we're going to see him for. Uh, I mean, he, he is an absolute dart in drafts right now. Like you could, you could tell me he was up in late April and logged like 140 innings in the big leagues this year. And I wouldn't be that surprised. I mean, he's, he's ready to get big league hitters out. That's, that's pretty clear. Uh, you could also tell me that they hold him back in extended spring training, send him to like AAA in late May, and then like he joins the big league rotation in July, and you only get like 50 innings out of him, and they want to keep him fresh for the the playoffs. Like 
both of those scenarios make a ton of sense to me. And it, they make a ton of sense because unlike the A's who just have nothing in their rotation, the Astros just have endless guys that can log innings, quality innings. They have a really good bullpen. Uh, they don't need Forrest Whitley to win that division. They might need Forrest Whitley to win the World Series, which is why they're going to make sure that he's got some something left in the tank for the end of the season. But uh, it's just really impossible to predict when he's going to be up. So, I, you know, I, I ended up with him in a, in a 12-team NFBC league a couple nights ago. Uh, just felt like the upside was worth it. I can stash him. Like, you know, it, it's fine. But I wouldn't get too aggressive on him, especially in deeper leagues, because there's a, tan- there's a chance you don't see him until, like, June or July. I like that. That's a, This is why I wanted you on to talk about these guys because, you know, it's always fun to draft prospects, but then I've, I'm seeing, like, everybody posting their draft recaps. I'm seeing a lot of these guys getting taken, and it's like, I guess I'm just more of a safe drafter in my mind where I want my stability that I have. And, like, I gambled on a, on a Vlad. I'll gamble on certain guys that I kind of feel more confident in, but there's some of these other guys that I know they're boomer bust. Like, if you want to win the overall title somewhere, I could see the appeal, but uh, that's why I want you on to kind of at least – give everybody the idea of what the realistic impact could be. Right. And I, I really, I think it's important to analyze all these guys on just a, a player specific level. Like I, I hate it when people just kind of like try to paint like prospectors with like a broad brush, like, Oh, all you want to do is just get prospects. Like you're reaching on Vlad, you reached on like Acuna last year, like all this stuff. It's like, I'll reach on, I'll, I'll grab guys where I think they should go. Like I believe Vlad is a top 50 player this year. I don't. I wouldn't touch Fernando Tatis Jr. at all this year. Like, I mean, it's it's very player specific. Yeah, perfect. That, that, that's that's exactly why you're here. Because, um, yeah, everybody wants a shiny new toy. It's just sometimes it's not time to have the shiny new toy. Um, let's talk about the next one is Alex Reyes. You know, when Carlos Martinez got hurt, everyone ran to draft Alex Reyes. He is the guy. He's taking a spot, so on and so forth. Well, news came out. He's competing for a bullpen spot. Or he goes down to the minors to get stretched out. We shall see. Like you gave the example earlier, he goes to the bullpen, Martinez comes back, then he goes to the minors. All that being said, he's all the way up to pick 225. Any interest in Alex Frey as a pick 225? No, because, I mean, I, I'd, I'd probably rather have Ryan Presley than Alex Reyes this year. I, I might, you know, I think Adam Adovino and Alex Reyes are pretty close to me. Like I, I, I think he's going to be really good as a reliever. Uh, but if you get starts out of him, I don't think it's going to be till, you know, July. And I, like I said, I, I like Jordan Hicks a lot, so I don't think you're going to get a ton of saves out of him either. So I think he's just one of those stud relievers. Like he's, he's not going to be Josh Hader level good, but he'll be really good. It's just why take that guy at 225 when you can get a guy that's just as good a uh, hundred picks later. Yeah, I love it. And, and let's talk about the next guy whose helium is through the roof. And Reyes is going about 20 picks in front of him. Chris Paddock going to pick 244 is lighting Twitter on fire, especially on days he starts in spring training. Um, we know how good he was in the minors, you know, last year, first year back. A lot of Asus Lazardo similarities. Um, what are we expecting from Chris Paddock? Because similar to Lazardo, he could start the season with the big boys. Yeah, my prediction on him is that he's their opening day starter. Um, nice. Which really, like, I didn't sit down. I didn't sit down to write that article, anticipating that that would be my prediction. I just kind of went guy by guy and was just looking at like where's everything pointing. And I mean, I I, I think everything's pointing to Chris Paddock being their opening day starter. So, um, 
that's that's going to be a fun day if that happens, where Manny Machado gets the debut and and Paddock's on the hill. I mean, I think that would be just for like baseball Twitter. I think that would be everyone's favorite opening day game, right? Um, oh, yeah, and, you know, the the same things apply. Like I said with Lazardo, it's not like the Padres are just going to let Paddock pitch all season long with no restrictions. I think he will be limited to like 140, 150 innings, something like that. So uh, it's not like you're getting like I, I don't really see the I know like the bat projection system has him as like a top 30 starter. I guess that's possible if he just absolutely hits his ceiling. But typically, in, unless you're like Chris Sale, you need to get to like 165, 175 innings to kind of crack in uh, as like a top 30, top 25 type of guy. So I don't, I don't see that upside just because of the lack of innings. Uh, but that doesn't mean he couldn't return profit pretty much anywhere outside of the top like 120. Um, so, you know, he went 171 overall in my last NFBC draft. So the hype is in full swing and I didn't, I didn't really do uh, my part to quell it by saying he's going to be their opening day starter. Yeah, that, that doesn't help. <laughs> no, no. Um, you know, he's, he's really good. I, I, I think Lazardo's better. I think Whitley's better. Uh, you know, Paddock has, has really good command, uh, gets good extension on his fastball, has uh, a nasty change up. Uh, curveball, I, I think, is more of a show-me pitch right now. Um, but, I mean, he, he's really good. And if he gets Austin Hedges as his kind of personal catcher this year, uh, I think he could put up really good numbers. Chris Paddock or Jesus Lazardo? Lazardo. Okay, that's what I thought. Just wanted to get everybody off because before pe- spring training started, let's say, everyone was on Lazardo. And, you know, he's still getting drafted ahead of Paddock. But, man, if people didn't know any better, Chris Paddock was, you know, the next Chris Sale, according to everybody. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, just a couple more pictures here. Justice Sheffield of the Mariners, formerly of the Yankees, uh, was already optioned down, which we expected. Going out pick 341. Um, there's a lot of mixed results on what we've seen from him in his short time in the bigs. What's your thoughts on Justice Sheffield? Because he's going to get his shot and he's going to get time. But is it worth it this year? I don't really think so. Uh, I think he's, you know, ideally I think he's a, a reliever, uh, but given where the Mariners are at and their organizational rotation depth, I think they'll give him a pretty long leash as a starter. Uh, you know, I mean, he's he's got some nasty pitches. I mean, going like 96, 97 from the left side, uh, absolute wipeout slider when he's on. I mean, it's it's easy to see why people can can fall in love with him, but uh, command is below average. Uh, third pitch is is kind of fringe average. He's five foot eleven. Uh, all that to me sort of equates to a guy that belongs in the bullpen, but I don't think that's going to happen for a couple of years. And while he's starting, I just I don't see the results really being there. I think it might be kind of a like Reynaldo Lopez type of thing where you're you're getting like a mid four ERA. Whip over one three to me, it's just it's not worth it. All right, uh, let's talk about some brave starters real quick. Uh, they have a bunch of interesting injuries taking place in the rotation right now. Uh, you got the likes of Kyle Wright, you know, big time draft pick out of Vandy, having a good spring. Luis Gohara's apparently lost weight; he's going to be there. Mike Soroka is having some injury issues, but we've been waiting for it. You don't have to go super deep on these three guys, but do any of these three have a fantasy impact this year? Uh, you know, I think. Guys I expect to have an impact fairly early are Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson, who you didn't even mention. Um, nice. I think I'll those are 
those are the two healthy guys in camp that are impressing me the most. And I think that they can both be uh, pretty viable in, in most formats as long as they're in that rotation. We'll have to see who gets that spot. I think they have two spots open, right? Because uh, yep. it seems like Toussaint – or, well, it seems like Toussaint's going to be the four. And then it's like Wright and Wilson maybe competing for that five until everyone gets healthy. So, um, you know, I, I think Gohara to me, just based on their organizational depth and his command issues, I think he probably ends up in the pen long-term. Maybe they continue to develop him as a starter this year, but he's fallen way down my rankings. Um, Soroka, I just love that guy. I mean, he's one of my favorite guys to watch pitch, but this shoulder thing is just so scary. Uh, the fact that he got shut down, I mean, he got shut down like 10 months ago, it seems like with this yep. thing and, and like just has not been able to get, get it right. So, uh, it's, it's really scary with him. Uh, this, I, I think this is kind of trending towards just being a lost year for Soroka. Yeah. Sad. Like everyone's been waiting for him. It just can't pan out health wise, which is kind of scary. Um, last guy I'm going to ask you about here. He's coming back over from, I believe it was Korea. Uh, Merrill Kelly going to be pitching for the D backs. Uh, there's a lot of interest in him. He's going up a pick 353, so he's almost free at this point. I think he's maybe worth a gamble. Uh, he's a few picks in front of Kyle Wright. What are you hearing out of Merrill Kelly? Because it seems like you know, we're talking, we talk prospects. This guy actually has been stretched out, he has seen big league hitters. It was a while ago, but uh, at least there's more experience here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not that excited. Uh, I'll be honest. I haven't, I haven't done probably the amount of homework on Merrill Kelly that I probably should have. And I would have said the exact same thing about miles Nicholas a year ago. And I would, I was just like, ah, whatever this guy, like he's coming back. Like who cares? Um, now I'm all about miles Nicholas. So, uh, I'm, I'm expecting him to be a, a number five starter, number four starter. I think he, he gets a full year in that rotation, just given their, their lack of depth and where they're, where they're at as an organization. But uh, I haven't heard anything or seen anything to really get me excited to the point that I'm using a roster spot on him. All right. Um, let's do a couple listener questions. I could sit here and ask you about prospects all day because it is fun to talk about these guys, but I think we hit on the ones that are going to um, have an impact. Are there any guys that I haven't mentioned that you could see be having a fantasy impact this year? Uh, yeah. Well, quickly, I, I will say um, Nate Lowe and uh, Daz oh, yeah. Cameron. Nate Lowe, first baseman with the uh, Rays, and Daz Cameron, center fielder with the Tigers. Uh, I think both of them are up around June. Lowe is just your kind of classic first baseman, big power. Uh, I think there's a chance he actually hits. Like I think there's a chance he might hit like 280 uh, in his peak year. So I'm, I'm pretty high on him. I, probably this year it's closer to like 240, 250, but big power. And then Daz Cameron, I mean, that, that Detroit outfield is just such a mess. Like He's by far their best defensive center fielder and he's probably a better hitter right now than Jacoby Jones is. So uh, I think we see him in, in June as well. And he's a, he's a guy to target for, for speed. I like it. Uh, a couple listener questions here um, on Twitter at TKNYNY Christian Stewart, speaking of the Tigers, what can we expect from him this year? Uh, you know, like 23 to 27 home runs with like a 240 average. I think he's going to, Get on base at a pretty solid clip, so I'd give him I'd give him a bump in OBP leagues and points leagues, but uh, that's just not a profile that really interests me from an outfielder. Um, I'd rather chase some speed or 
or a little bit more upside with my fifth outfield spot. All right. And the other question I have is at Corrado underscore Dan. Well, everyone is focusing on guys who have a chance to make an impact in 19, which we kind of did. Who should I be looking at as a deep dynasty prospect? Some guys that may be unknown. It's like just kind of throw a couple guys that probably not this year, maybe next year, the year after that you're, you're like a lot. Sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I know Dan, uh, and I, I think he's looking for some pretty deep names. So I, I apologize to the listeners that, uh, our, our redraft players. These are going to be guys that you're probably not going to have to worry about for like four years. Um, but I'll give I'll give I'll give out a couple guys. So Oslive Spasabe, uh, who's a shortstop in the Rangers system, uh, real quick to quick twitch. Uh, spent last year in the Dominican Summer League. I think he could uh, possibly see his stock increase this year. Uh, Luis Toribio, a third baseman in the Giants system. He's another DSL guy that's coming over. I think there's uh, some power and batting average upside. Uh, Angel Rojas, shortstop in the Yankees system. Uh, tons of speed. I mean, just tools for days. Uh, he's another guy that's going to be stateside debut this year. And then Juan Pia, who's an outfielder in the Pirates system. He's uh, just really tooled up. All four of these guys are guys that I added to my top 400 in the past like three months or so. So, and they're and they're inside my top 300. So it's not like they're at the back of it. Um, you know, the dynasty league community is just it, it keeps growing, it keeps getting bigger, and people just keep knowing all the guys that they should know. <laughs> so yep. finding those guys that have that upside on the position player side that are unowned. Uh, is just becoming tougher and tougher. But I think those four guys should be out there for you in most leagues. Awesome. That's good stuff. Yeah. And, you know, if anybody, you know, he can he can plug it all he wants. There's a free trial at Rotowire if you want to check out the top 400, get all the info there and all kinds of good stuff. But, uh, James, it's always a pleasure. Why don't you remind everybody where they can find you and what you got going on? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. And then, yeah, at, at Rotowire, I'm the lead prospect analyst, uh, assistant baseball editor, uh yeah i mean like check out the site i mean free 10-day trial you don't have to give us a credit card um i'm i try to be good about responding to questions on twitter so uh, that's another place if you want to if you have any dynasty questions feel free to ask me yeah but james always a pleasure talking to you about this Uh, like i said i could ask you about a a ton more players but uh we'll save that for another time and do it again but everybody go check out him on james on twitter and the podcast all the great work they do over there at rotowire but uh, again thanks for joining me man Yeah, thanks for having me, Bubba. Yep. Everybody, this is Ben with Bubba, episode 153, Fantasy Baseball Impact Prospects. Catch you guys later.